I also have to say, I think, you know, you also played me a new song that you've been mm. working on. And I, I want to say, I want to say, well, that was awesome. The song was great. It's It sounds beautiful. It's mixed really well. But I want to say, you you do a really good job of, like, spending time on things. Like, <laughs> like, like during the day, you don't just, like, veg. I mean, I'm sure you have your veg time, too. But, like, it seems like you're always working on something. Well, Dave, you know, I'm in this place in my life right now where it's, like, I've kind of, that's what I want to do for a bit. So, it's, like, I'm trying to be, yeah. it's, like, it's shit or get off the pot, man. You know? It's inspirational, though, man. I mean, like. The other day, you played. You know, you played me. I think you know most of that song was done last week. And I had I had written the like. That's a th- that's the thing. Yeah. I, I've learned some things in this process, and that was th- and that's one of the things I reflect on is that I had this song like I'd written the chords and the words already. So right. then, like the everything else was just kind of like deciding how I want to present it. But mm-hmm. it's a lot easier if you. And this is like the dumbest thing to learn in the world but it's like a lot easier if you finish the song before you record it i sure. guess is, like actually is, write is it. The, if you like actually take the time to write the right. thing before you properly record it that's it fair. makes a difference that's what's always blown my mind about bands that get money to go and do studio time and they don't even have a song written yet yeah that's i mean that blows my mind right you know it's like it, how do you and, know and, it's well, gonna if, be good? well because there's there's a lot a lot of times it doesn't come out good right you know? right i'm sure and then you have a team of producers and people yeah. helping you make it sound well good. i mean it comes back to the same old thing we've talked about a lot which is like you get to write your first record forever and then it's like all yeah. of a sudden they're like okay now do that again yeah and it's like no well okay well we 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 don't have the stuff that we had from before. So now we're just going to, well, we've got to go in the studio. So yeah, let's just see like what happens. Totally and it's like the cast off from the last stuff. Yep. And hopefully someone uh, is disciplined enough to just like keep trying to write all the time, yeah. I guess. I you have know. to have that, I think. But it just, I don't know, man. It's, it's been a long time. I've, for a lot of reasons, you know, there's just, I haven't been releasing stuff and I've been craving it and it feels good to like have a thing that's, I just got to get it mastered and well, hopefully we can get it released. And, uh, dude, I was actually kind of thinking that like, if (laughs) I might foist it upon all of our listeners, like I'll just like stick it in one of the episodes, like, all right, now you've got to listen to this fucking new song. You ding dong. Yeah. If you made it this far, if you made it this far, or even just like in the middle, like we're we're like, here's our commercial break. If you want to skip four minutes and 15 seconds ahead, that's fine. Instead of a sponsor break, we just have like a song. That's it. That'd yeah. Be great, and we can start putting our own music in there because this is our own podcast. So who cares? Yeah. Can, I mean, if you like music, right? Don't you like? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. You hope, I, th- I hope your buds like music. Do you think we have listeners that don't listen to music on here? You know, speaking of commercial breaks, it kind of, uh, last week's episode. And there was a moment where we were talking about that color wear stuff, and it really kind of in, in sounded like an back ad. to it. Oh, it felt like an ad yeah. too. Uh, that's I mean, fine. I don't care if you color wear. Like, hit us up. Shout we out pay to us for that wear, one. Dude. I still think it was. I still think it was a great, uh, great uh, thing for us to talk about. Yeah, we've got a podcast. Let's do it. Let's episode one fourteen, one hundred and fourteen. Wow. Episode. Again, we always qualify it. It's actually there's actually been a couple more than that, but one hundred and fourteen of these bad boys, Damn mother right. jammers, coming at you. Uh, this is GearBuds Podcast, and I'm Henry. That's Dave. What's up? Hi, Dave. And let's just dive on in here. We're hanging out. We're gonna we're gonna get into the show. Here's the Symphony of Corrections. Here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you, as always, for listening to this. You're the, mm-hmm. you're the best. Uh, thanks for for being there with us and for us. Follow us on the stuff: Instagram, Facebook at GearBuds Podcast. Subscribe Spotify and Apple. Mm, you know? Oh, you know what? Uh, I wanted it. This is like a little bit of an anniversary throwing it back to a, an episode from a year ago. Okay. Uh, 
I, you know, we've got this little catch all touch and tips, friends of the show. I want to add story time with Uncle Hank to it because sometimes we like to tell stories sure. that have nothing to do with the Love show. Oh, as I kick myself in the face uh, with my microphone here. Uh, this is the anniversary of my national embarrassment of having appeared on the Today Show for a dating oh, segment. Oh, that's last funny, year. man. Yeah. Uh, it was, well, I guess it was technically going to be a couple days before this episode comes and out. And that was but. like the, that was the dating one where they tried to like, it was the dating game. But the guy with the, he had his own island or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was your competition. I think I forgot about that part. Uh, yeah, uh, we can give a little update on the story. So, yeah, that's the idea. I was on this, like, dating game thing on the Today Show on Jenna and Hoda. No big deal. I have one degree of separation from the former president. Uh, regardless, so I lost. Or I, I didn't come in last place. I You know, there were three bachelors, and I and I made it past the first round. She chose the other gentleman. Mm. It's fine, despite the fact that we don't live in the same city. So, yeah. you know, and, she, and her and I do. So, right. you know, she should have picked me. Anyways, uh, we can get a little <laughs> update on the story because um, not only for those – go back and – we talked about it. I don't want to do the whole story again. Do you know what episode? Uh, Noah Pelty's episode, okay. episode 60-something. A year ago, yeah, I tell the story in it. Give a little update. So, uh, the gal and I, uh, we've we've since I believe it was Bumble, perhaps matched on one of the apps, and mostly just to like talk to one another. And it turns out, so she was supposed to have uh, actually been provided some sort of I don't remember who it was. I don't I don't need to drag anybody, but it was one of those you know we'll deliver you food and you cook it yourself mm. kind of things. Oh sure sure. Uh, companies and they, that was the idea. They're going to get this date and they're going to get a case of wine and each like. This like things and they're gonna be able to virtually cook together even though he, motherfucker lives in manhattan and we're in chicago here yeah uh that not only did that never happen they never got they were never sent anything they never actually even had a date oh so, so the whole thing just fizzled the whole thing just fizzled so actually it turns out uh i would say we were kind of hosed by the today show and, and we provided them with 15 minutes of free prime time yeah. prime content for free right no compensation of any sort i they because they had told me after oh henry we love you so much we're yeah. gonna send you stuff and connect you with stuff and yeah we're so excited mm-hmm. uh not not, not somebody a dropped the ball afterwards. so yeah just a little i wanted to give the anniversary you never uh, got your, story time with Uncle your Hank, meals Uncle Hank update never not only and and the, there were no dates uh yeah for anyone to be had yeah. uh afterwards so well, maybe they should try it again if yeah. they're out there listening, you if know. you're if today's show, if you, well, no, because they're back. They're like, no, we don't need to get these hosers that are in their living rooms anymore. Now we they're just not have people at home, yeah. so they're gonna like pay real models. I do remember when stuff. we were talking about you doing that before you went on it, and I was like, it'd be really funny if you just had like one of those funny Zoom backgrounds. I did, dude. I did a did number you end up of using times. One? Oh, a number of times throughout the tape. So when you tape something like that, I mean, you know, it was 15 minutes of yeah. airtime, but we it was probably like 45 minutes sure. of or to an hour Actual maybe of footage. content. Yeah. So I flipped it a few times, including to a vintage Taco Bell background. Yes. Nobody found it funny. No. Uh, and it did not make the See, the those program, aren't the people so. you want to be hanging out with anyways. Though. Agreed completely. I would have I would have noticed that immediately. Yeah. I want I just feel like I want to make sure that it sounds good. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. That's not cool. Some good looking waves. Oh over yeah, there. real nice looking waves. I just I just you know, sometimes I work, it's crispy. Do you, do you leave the settings like right where they were from last episode, do you think? I do, but the thing is, is oh, well, I yes, I have a, I have a preset that. for it, but I still move things around, and it's just, it, dude. The thing I found with any of this recording stuff is, even with Mark or like anyone, like I have the exact same microphone, the exact same setting, the exact same preset, and sometimes it just fucking sounds for different. no reason. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, of course, especially when we're talking about like tube amps or things with strings. Sure. But even just microphones, I've found like that you. I guess that's a tube microphone that uh, that one that you like so much that yeah. warm audio eighty seven clone or yeah, forty seven clone that I have. Uh, 
it doesn't sound the same every time. Really? And, yeah. And sometimes, it, I mean, it's never bad, but it's just like different. And so what I found is that if it was like a, a recording session where we're going back and like overdubbing things that we had done before. It's hard to get that exact same. You don't. Yeah. So I've just been forced into situations where I make like really drastic decisions where it's like I totally change the effects or something on that, just that little part. Mm-hmm. Because I can't get it to sound exactly. So make the same it sound anyways. way different, Even rather way than different, just a little bit. Than just a little bit. That's off. smart. Yeah, actually, yeah. I, it's it sort of for has forced my hand a few times <laughs> in some songs like Droid Smith songs that we're working. Well, that's at. why it's so adamant too to get like that entire vocal session done at least for that one song. If you can, yeah. yeah I mean, it doesn't always work for me. In right. fact, the thing, the song that we we're talking about again called Gurout Runka, uh, which is a Swedish word for masturbating while crying. <laughs> I because yeah, we don't need to get into motivations, but. Uh, why was I? Why were we talking about that? Uh, consistent consistency right. between recording. That yeah, I didn't get all the vocals the first day. So oh really? You know. Well, I didn't notice on that. Like because I made a lot of weird changes to yeah. effects and stuff because like, I tried to do it the same with this microphone. This I, this is my favorite. This SM7. Yeah. As I'm pointing to this, that nobody can tell what I'm talking about. Has it, that is my go-to. I just record all my mm-hmm. vocals with it these days. So yep, agreed. Um, yeah, even this though doesn't sound exactly the same every single time. Mm-hmm. So I just check. That's yeah. That's that. All right, we're, we got way thrown off. That's great. We that got was a lot a little, to go that was a little touch and tips uh, story time with Uncle Hank. Let's get into BFI GFI here. Here we go. Uh, Dave, did you see that there was this whole huge guitar heist thing that happened? I saw a few articles that popped up, and then uh, some of the guitars were recovered. Well, mm-hmm. okay, so here's the deal: Santa Cruz Police, uh, that's Santa Cruz, California, California. Mm-hmm have recovered nine vintage guitars worth an estimated $225,000 that were stolen last year as a part of a $2 million So they found par- some of them. They Not found a, them. Yeah, a, yeah. a small percentage, it turns out. Uh, there are a bunch of guitars. It was a couple of 12-string Rickies, a 1959 Rickenbacker Capri, which I've actually cool. played. Those are cool. A 58 and 57 Gretsch Country Club, a limited Strat, uh, some Chet Atkins stuff. Um Again, estimated about two hundred twenty-five thousand in, to- mm-hmm. in total. I guess they had targeted a musical equipment storage unit in Marina del Rey. Oh wow! And then, actually, right after the theft, a number of the guitars made their way onto Reverb, but then got like, you know, flagged and oh, so they, f- they figured it out right away. Oh, so is that how they tracked them down then? Through no, th- this was this was like uh, this is a second thing oh, where they okay. found more guitars or right. whatever. They still haven't reco- again. They still haven't recovered all of them. But I just wanted to bring this up as a obviously as a BFI and just remind. I don't think anybody listening to this needs to be reminded, but just uh, I I felt for the these this pe- these people that had their instruments stolen, mm-hmm. and just there's a special circle of hell reserved specifically mm-hmm. for instrument thieves, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 the worst, man. I mean, because because I think you know I look at it in terms of like sentimental value more than like actual physical. I just the value. tools, like the the, yeah. the the ability to express yourself yeah. as a, an artist and a, as a musician. Right. I obviously you know there could be ar- arguments made. Well, if you've got a two million dollar guitar collection sitting in a storage unit, that's what's maybe one not, guitar. But no. that's not even what's one guitar. It's like you're not using that to make art. Maybe it is an investment. But that again, yeah. that's beyond the point. Like theft is wrong. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. no no need to even dance around that. It's just God. I feel I, for some reason. Maybe it's just because I'm selfishly as a musician afraid of having all my stuff stolen I am, yeah. I just feel like that there there's just this extra special circle of hell so maybe I don't know maybe we should just sell all of our stuff and then not have to worry about we it we'd never have to worry about it you know, just, maybe that maybe that's an idea we'll come back to maybe later we just on. get a bunch of squires just Dude, do that this is, and squires. I think that this I think this may have to be the theme of the episode we'll come back um, to it so hey I, that you, you just you just reminded me 
I wonder if did they ever find that crate of those silver burst Les Pauls that got stolen? I never heard anything about yeah, that never ever heard again. It was like again. what a dozen of them or something yeah, like, like that. Really, really, like really limited, limited edition ones, Adam yeah. Jones yeah. tool signature Les Pauls with crazy. the crazy mirrors. Yeah, I never heard anything about those ever again. We because I remember even talking about it at the time. It's like, what do you do with those? Because everyone's yeah. gonna know. I guess you could like scratch off the serial number and sell them for like a couple grand. But I mean, for the whatever lengths you must have gone to to pull this heist off you know well that's the know. thing like, like unless you're just like the world's biggest tool fan people are like oh it's it you know they're on the black market but i'm like aren't we pretty close to the black market even like if you saw something for sale on like craigslist or yeah. something is there is there is like there a, like a deep a, a, deep a, web? a dark web for gear i don't know and if there was would you scour it and look for great deals only as a only as a, a crime fighting vigilante of course you know of course i could because again what happened what what do you do with even if you wind up with yeah. some stolen Hendrix Strat, like I don't know what you do with that mm-hmm. at that point. I've thought about this for any kind of like mate, like you steal a piece of crazy piece of art off the wall in the Louvre. What do you do with that? Well, realistically, unless it's got like really, really, really uh, specific markings or wear or tear, yeah, you know, it kind of just goes back into circulation with all the other sixty-eight Strats, you know, or something like that. So I don't. Yeah, I would hope that. It, yeah, I guess I don't know if you've got a, that kind of crazy two million dollar collection. Hopefully, everything is so photographed Unique. and serial yeah. and all that yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah, there's yeah. almost no way because oh, you would have to intrinsically destroy the value of the instrument to be able to sell it to mm-hmm. for to get away with it not being, and then it wouldn't even be worth, and then it wouldn't have been worth. Yeah, anything. so. Hmm. Hmm. Something that we're going to explore a little That's bit more in this one. Um, one another, I would say this is a GFI. Uh, okay. I'll, well, I, yeah, I guess uh, this was something that you sent me earlier this week that I wanted to talk about because we also shared it on the old Facebook page about the story of the time when Pink Floyd used a certain oh, yeah. fancy automobile to finance, or at least as collateral, used to do one of the biggest, most successful tours of all time. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, that, how crazy is that story? So my, I have a friend who's a real big car enthusiast, and yeah, it was the it was the Ferrari 250 yeah. GT. When you said when when I'm getting it was a 250 GTO. When when I'm getting links from FerrariChat.com's yeah. forums from I Dave, I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, I didn't here? exactly find that, but he's also he likes you know Floyd and all that stuff yeah. too. So he was like, dude, this is really fascinating. I never it knew this. A, it was a 60s 250 GTO. Did you see the video of uh, Brian Johnson and him? Uh, I dude, okay, I I've, I've watched an episode of that show of yeah. brian johnson's show i did not watch that one it's yet. cool um you know because they just they kind of just go through the car and they're showing all the angles and then you know they start it up and take off and it yeah. sounds amazing and what i thought was really interesting was that i guess they he paid thirty thousand dollars for it or something like that uh, which probably was even a substantial amount of money yeah, at that time you at know? that time but, but they're they're cr- okay so <laughs> uh again we sort of alluded to it this is the 80s pink floyd uh i Roger Waters and Richard Wright had already left the band, so it was yeah. just like just Gilmore and and Nick Mason. Nick Mason, yeah, hey, had this had this GTO. Currently, the current value of that guitar, they're saying, or that guitar, that's where my brain is. <laughs> if, brain. if that if that instrument, I did it again. If that car were to go on the market right now, they're saying forty million dollars yeah. is what it would be worth. Yeah, and that's funny when people do say that stuff because it's like the guitar world as well. Well, you're like, all right, but I don't think it would actually Well, check it out. It. So I've, I dug into it a little yeah. bit more than this article. And there are a number of articles written about this, that that's, th- that particular car, the 250 GTO, mm-hmm. is the most valuable car right. in the world. I didn't know that. I had yeah, no idea. I'd heard that. I had never heard that before. Uh, so they say the joke about it is that is it is the only car that is worth its weight in gold. 
because uh, <laughs> at current rates, well, they're saying at current rates, based on the whatever the GTO weighs, it would have to be about $110 million. Yeah. And there have been GTOs that have sold for like 70 Right, recently. right. So wow. it, the joke, they say it's worth its weight in gold. Actually, it's it's worth half its weight in gold, mm-hmm. which is fucking insane fucking for an automobile. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is the reason that we have the momentary lapse of reason tour because yep. Pink Floyd tried to get it going. People were like, uh, we don't know, you know, like half the band, including the, like the guy that we kind of think is like the main one yep. left. Right. And then they're like, no, we're going to finance it ourselves. He put that car up as collateral. They, cool. The tour made, I don't think I wrote the number down, but it was something like $175 million, uh, yeah. you know, at the, and, and that, at that time. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, yeah. We cool have, we have, story. we have that Ferrari to thank. <laughs> and now I know what the world's most expensive car is. And so do you. And she's a beaut, man. I would, I'd love to see that thing in person. I'd love to, I'd love to amazing. get inside. Oh God. Let, let someone better than me drive it so I could experience that. Yeah. While that was the funny part in the, in the video, Nick Mason, they're getting in it. Yeah. And he's like, he asked Brian, he's like, you know, do you want to take it for a ride? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm driving though. <laughs> so like Nick Mason's like, you're still not going to drive. You're it. not like, driving. This, this is your show or whatever, but like, yeah. but it's also the most expensive car in the world so <laughs> yeah. not happening he's probably not i i wonder i mean with something like that there has to be individualized insurance right like not i like you can't just like in, insure everyone to drive that car because no. the insurance company wouldn't take that risk no man no i don't even know if an insurance company would i don't even know if they would cover something like I, that well you, someone has to insure it i right. don't know how <laughs> <laughs> these are rich people things beyond yeah uh, our, our wildest dreams so dave have its weight in gold Dr. Dave, we're gonna we're gonna throw it to a segment that are Ooh. are my two favorite words that I get to say every single week. And those words are Dave's Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Mm. That was a nice one, man. Last you, week was hilarious. Well, you got your you notepad went, there. You went on last week. We did some envelope filter and Oh yeah. Got, oh, that's right. My and then the extra delay added crazy. on with the Always got it. Every week I have that. I know. Back just made it really, really sound amazing. Um, this was pretty cool. So it's been a busy week um, for people who are listening. We, ha- we have met up earlier this week than we usually do. So I didn't have quite as much time mm. to really dig into a nice long Dave's doc like mm. I want to. Uh, so I want to shout out and thank Rock and Roll True Stories once again on oh. YouTube. Um, I brought them up a few episodes ago. Yeah. They're, uh, and if you guys subscribe to them, they're really fun to watch. If you want to do like a 15, 20 minute yeah. little documentary, uh, the guy talks way too fast. So you have to pause it quite often and kind of like go on like the point seven five speed. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I watched one that was actually pretty important to me and I wanted to get this out there cause I don't know if we've ever talked about this band, but it means a lot to me because when I first started playing my band, uh, covered this band a lot. And I'm wow. talking about a band called Silverchair. Silverchair, dang! Yeah. All right, let's do this. All right, so my, let me let me just tell you, yeah. my first compact disc that I ever purchased with my own money. I had CDs, but the first I ever purchased was Frog Stomp. There it is. Yeah, that's big. I think man. I, st- I think I still have it. That's big. Yeah. Um, well, you you would like to know, and I found out this myself, that that was Silverchair was the first Australian band to chart in the U.S since Men at Work in 1982. And they're, of course, known for their hit. Uh, Did they do the safety dance? The, the, I, see, I always mix up Men at Work and... You can dance if you want to. Yeah, yeah. So safety, But what's uh, Men Without Hats is oh. the other one that I was thinking of. Oh, shit. So Maybe safety I'm, dance, you're right. I okay. think it's safety Sweet. dance. Okay, right. so they were the first. What year was this? Uh, well, Frogstown came out in 95, I want to say. 94? 
That sounds right. 94 sounds right. Yeah, I was at 10-ish, 9 or 10. Um, yeah, so, again, this guy was talking way too fast, so I was trying my best to type, type a like few notes for you guys. Mi- Micro Machine, the <laughs> announcer guy. Um, they actually, so they won a demo tape contest through a local radio station before, like, you know, they released anything. They were they were playing in a band when they were 12 years old. P- for people who don't know, Silverchair was, like, famous at, like, 15, 16 yeah, years old. Yeah, wild. It really is pretty crazy Very when you young. think about it, because even famous bands weren't that young when they got big like i mean you're talking about a very very small few of performers were that famous when they were 15 16 yeah you have old. to i mean that's a thing like I'm michael jackson you, Stevie you, Wonder. Up, you have to wonder how children frankly yeah. get these kinds of resources and things because they made a major label sounding record so tell us what they happened. did well so what they did was um they entered a demo tape contest where they already had a recorded version of tomorrow which was the big hit off frogstown great song but they had a seven minute version which i wonder if you can find online somewhere gotta, i'd like to hear imagine. it it's kind of um, like how you can find the original demo of umbop and it's actually in a minor key oh really yeah no way yeah, i didn't dude, know that totally speaking of young bands exactly. too as well um nice nice segue. check it out um so anyway Anyways, they re-recorded. Uh, they recorded tomorrow, and then as part of this demo tape contest, yeah, they re-recorded it and shot the video. Now I don't know if this is the final version that ended up on MTV okay. and all that yeah. stuff um, that ended up on the record, but they redid that. You know, then it basically became a hit. So um, maybe that was the version, and then they just tacked it onto the album. Um, so like they made this single from the demo. They tape made the single from the demo. They and went then, and made a record. Yeah, and then they went and, and they they did. Uh, That'd be wild. They did Frog Stomp. So they were playing giant festivals by 1995, and they were basically like you know 14, 15 Kids. years old. It's crazy. Yeah, um, but that's the thing is they had cool songs. You they know? really they really had deep like lyrics were really interesting. Like mm-hmm. for for younger kids. They really had some pretty, you know, some pretty sophisticated some of the shit songs. Out of that record. And there oh, was some, dude, like, Israel's big son distorted, crushing guitar tones and stuff. Madman, a lot of drop D riffing. Mad drop D, a lot of drop D. When I covered those, uh, well, Israel's son, and, dude, all drop D all the time. Um, check this out. So that record went double platinum in the U.S. Wow, that's crazy. With that green frog on it, they Great said photo. they uh, they estimated each member made a million dollars a piece from that record. Damn, and that's just from the record, not touring or anything. All the like that. other stuff when yeah. they actually used to get paid for records back exactly. in the day. That was cool. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, another thing I really liked about it was they did a lot of interviews, and Daniel Johns was always saying he was like, "Dude, I don't get why we're this big band." He's like, "We suck. Like, we shouldn't be. There's so many back better then bands you're than saying us." He was saying that back then. Yeah, yeah, he was like, "You know, they're like they were being humble kids. They could have been total assholes. Mm-hmm. You know, which I thought was pretty cool of them." Uh, then they released Freak Show, which my personal favorite record. Really? See, Silver I never, Chair. I never really got super into that. Yeah, one. The, the opening tracks like Slave and then Freak are just like two bangers. Slave in a and row. Freak, dude. Um, so they were actually disappointed though because that they knew they knew, and we kind of talked about this earlier about a band recording. You know, say you record this one record one way, and then now all of a sudden you have all this money. You go into a studio mm-hmm. and you've got to record your sophomore record. Mm-hmm. They knew in their minds this was going to make or break the band. Make so they, their sophomore record like their sophomore year of high school too. Exactly. Shit. No, they really did. They actually um, to record. Oh, this was kind of funny with recording Frog Stomp. They were still in school and they had to take their Christmas vacation to record that in two weeks at a wow. studio. That's awesome. And then their teachers and everybody was like kind of working their schedule around supporting them musically and like letting them kind of do their thing, Love not failing that. them, gave them extra credit for music and all this stuff. 
So that teachers, Australian teacher, you know, support, man, they support your artists. That's pretty cool. Right. Not everyone needs to go to all the squire. I don't want to get on that. I'm not, it's not a hill. I'm going to die. But support <laughs> your artists. Support your artists, guys. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, for people who know and, and kept following from there, uh, Daniel Johns, the singer, you know, he revealed he had depression, anxiety, yeah, didn't he? Uh, anorexia, anorexic. Yeah. Yeah. And that started because of the freak show tour. They were, they were just so famous at that mm-hmm. time that, you know, he just kind of lost his mind on the road. And so they had sad. to take a huge break from that. So they released another record at one point. I remember they released like, very like, sort of like pop, more... glossy kind of sheen. Yeah, stuff. Neon Ballroom was the next one. Was that what was the one? After, wasn't there another one? After then there was that? Diorama. I Diorama think. Yeah, the was one the that fourth I'm thinking record of that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they actually ever made another one. Yeah. So um, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, that's you know pretty much it because it was a really really short. And was there any doc. gear spotting? Yeah, I got to mention gear spotting because yeah. I remember this in in the you know mid '90s. The coolest guitar on the planet was a PRS. And oh. Daniel Johns had a collection of PRSs. Really? In fact, the why point, do I picture him with the Strat? Did he ever play a Strat? I think he probably in played one in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But then he went strictly PRS. And then oh, if, if wow, you ever watch like their old videos and their old performances when they were kind of already had some money, he's playing like a different PRS hold, in every okay, video. Hold on. What? Oh. Wow, I mean, <clears throat> I just need to pause on the fact yeah. that you just like assumed that I would agree with the fact that in the 90s, like the mid-90s, that a PRS was the coolest guitar on the planet. <laughs> but think of all the other bands that used PRSs, like Deftones used a PRS, like all the all these bands that kind of followed Look, that I'm alternative I'm not saying rock. you're wrong. I just think that we need to quickly take a moment to explore this idea because sure. uh, it just kind of took my breath away well, to ever call PRS the coolest of anything. Oh, I know, dude. Right now, I and mean, I, I'm not and a I'm big like, fan. I, and okay, we, I'm on, I, we've talked about PRS. Let's talk about PRSs uh, for a second. <laughs> PRS, short for Paul Reed Smith, uh, the acronym. A, a Maryland, a Baltimore-based company, uh, Pride of Maryland. I think Paul Reed Smith himself is a very smart, interesting fellow. I think he makes great guitars. They're not my. They're not. Not my necessarily. style. Okay, will I? Will I? Will I grant that they were the coolest guitars? Well, no. No. Okay. So you said. But. You said you mentioned Silver Chair, Ladder Era Silver Chair, and, and Deftones. Deftones, and then all the kids in my high school. Did had to have PRS. Stephen Carpenter play. Oh, don't forget Santana also played us. Carlos Santana. Yeah. Um, and there was the. Uh, they had a semi hollow body version too. Santana. Cool. When did when did when did uh, I guess when did Smooth happen? Smooth? Was that ninety like six? Was it ninety six? Okay, so I guess that is mid nineties. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, um, who else? Who else was rocking the pier the purse back then? It was the first time. Well, I just want to go El back Dimiola? to El Dimiola. El probably. Yeah, I'm he sure has he had been a for PRS. A long time. And then if you want to go to modern guys, of course, now the big one is John Mayer plays for PRS. But that's a Strat. Dog. It's a Strat guitar with like a PRS headstock. It's a Strat. But I want to go back to my personal experience with PRS mm. because the first band I was in, um, Conundrum, in, <laughs> well, it was actually technically the second band I was in. We formed from Cosmica, which was kind of our silver chair cover band. Oh, sweet. We formed with two other guys in Conundrum, and then I shortly got kicked out. Super afterwards. group. But the uh, guitar player had uh, I've seen a pictures red, of Conundrum now that I think about a it. A red PRS. Yeah, I think, yeah, at the bowling alley, yeah. I think, yeah. A red PRS with dragon inlays. Mm. You either had to have the dragons or the birds. Or the birds. Yeah, so... They they were doing cool things in the '90s that not a lot of other companies were doing, hmm. with like as far as the inlay work and kind of like the flame tops and all that stuff. I know like Les Paul was doing that too. You want to know a little? I think I've probably told you this for a little PRS tip. What's that over here? Uh, if you want to just quickly distinguish looking at a PRS, if it's a 22 or 24 fret yeah. instrument, the 24 frets have a, an owl 
at the 24th fret. Oh, yeah. is that right? That's right. I always thought that was cool. He was doing, that's not he like was doing neat bird. stuff. And then if you had one with dot inlays, everyone's like, oh, it's not as cool. What's that bullshit? Yeah. Which are probably more of the ones that would be more suited to me. Look, I mean, I, I had to sell a bunch of them. I played all of them, learned all about the stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're really, really, really well-made instruments, if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, yeah. It's they don't, I don't like the look anymore, but I could have seen myself wanting one back in the 90s. I could see myself wanting one, like... If I if I was if someone was like you need to get rid of every single guitar <laughs> that you have and you can only have one guitar that does electric and acoustic sure you know and so like it would have all the coil tapping and the splits like you could you could do it's a versatile instrument versi- versatility wise you could do yeah. everything yeah with one of those I just man I don't know they just don't feel that great they did me. some yeah so Daniel Johns had like I mean he must have right. had like ten so or I think anyways before we let, I don't want to fully leave it yeah. To be to be continued. I don't think that we established either way whether coolest or not guitar in the nineties. Coolest guitar in the nineties because okay, I don't know. Like okay, let's leave it open. Let's leave it open. Let me get, think of a, a cool counter argument really fast. Coolest guitar in the nineties. Well, it would be the coolest guitar anytime, like an SG. But I don't. I can't yeah, think of like a great classic. example. Like, yeah, you can't say like, like people strat. that were. Why can't you say like Strat? Because it, it was like a different guitar for that time. Period. What was happening in guitar in the mid nineties? Was it was it was that straight up like new metal and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I guess maybe like seven string Ibanez. Yeah, yeah, Jackson. I don't know. Right. Okay, all right. To be continued. I to love it. Continued. Let's let's put it. Let's put a little bow on it. What do you think? What's your totally arbitrary ranking? Uh, of your total Dan, arbitrary ranking. Um, you know, or just you know, I like their YouTube channel. Again, guys, check out. Oh yeah, rock and roll stories. Check out rock and roll true stories, true stories. on YouTube. So if you subscribe, I'm telling you, they release a, a new little mini doc almost every day. Mm, so it's it kind fresh. of it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. pretty fresh. This was a new one from last week. In fact. Um, I would say I want to give it, I'm going to give it a solid 6.2 out of 10 PRSs. 6.2. Okay. 6.2 PRSs. I was going to say I like can't go super... 6.2 tomorrows <laughs> <laughs> or <Frogs>. fat boys. <laughs> yeah. I'm going away too. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Silverchair. Dope. I hope they're all doing great. Yeah, I hope so too. I, Cause I remember, yeah, the oh Daniel Johns has some solo records too on Spotify. He does. They're okay. not bad, man. And he's is they're he healthy? Because I know that he like had a, some pretty serious health issues. And I, was I in mean, the he seems and all that yeah, yeah. He seems like he's he's back. So he's back. All right, guess he's go. back. All right, all right. Here we go. Let's get into the main meat of the show today. And it's kind of kind of co- a couple things, but they're both related. And that is something we've been talking about a lot lately, and and it's just been coming up so much, and I've been seeing it showing up in gear forums being discussed all the time. And that is this dang gear market that we find ourselves mm, in right now. Co- COVID hawking COVID and, hawking. and, and what's going on specifically what's going on right now. What also, what happened during COVID to the gear market? Okay. So I did a little research, Dave. And as you mentioned, this is, this is a short week for us here. I mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't necessarily get as much time to dive in as I want. Sure. So I'm going to do my best. I think. I think I feel good about it. I feel All like right. I've got some some things that we can talk about here. So we were we already sort of mentioned at the top of the episode. We're going to get back to this idea of like uh, what things are worth and what's what values are. Maybe we should sell stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I found an article it was on Pattern.com where they took. Um, this is a good place for us to start. I think where they took a whole bunch all of Amazon's gear sales data which i guess is Mm. made publicly available and uh did some analysis on it so um i think it's probably no surprise to most americans i know we're not just an american show but this is about amazon us because that's what we have data for uh the we know that the piano is the most commonly played 
instrument in America. Kids okay. have to like learn piano and shit. Sure. Well, uh, I, I think that on Amazon, it should come as no surprise that that's not necessarily the case. The guitar actually reigns supreme. So popular, in fact, that 2020 Amazon sales data, guitars do more. I don't have the exact numbers because it's kind of like arbitrary how they talk about these things, but basically huge amounts of volume, right? And guitars is so popular it received 87 percent more demand than the rest of the instruments combined wow so huge huge delta and we can attribute this guitar. to people staying home and people wanting to this is general hobby. this is the general sort of trends what i'm going to get into though is uh sort of like specifically what happened with covid mm-hmm. and then was kind of like how that changed from year over year data because that kind of makes things a little more clear so also, obviously guitar is number one. Then after that's piano, drums, ukulele is number four. Oh yeah. Well, so what you actually see is that in in terms of change in demand, according to the analysis, COVID, the ukulele was by far the most popular early quarantine mm-hmm. musical instrument. Uh, way more than even though guitar is typically like like I said, eighty seven percent more than everything else combined at the beginning of quarantine ukulele far outpaced it so it's there was this huge change in, in demand at first when you actually when you look at it at the beginning right as the the world was shutting down pandemic was happening massive drop off all sales like mm-hmm. all gear sales like people just weren't buying shit and then right. like, as april started ramping back up people were like oh shit we're gonna have to find we're some stuff to do ukuleles were number one which again not a, that surprising i have a theory yeah i think it's you know it's a Technically, if you're a beginner, it's an easier instrument to play than guitar. I it's think it's an easier instrument to um, play. It's a happier instrument. It's it kind of has like a, it's a small thing. Kind of lay on your couch and it, play it. Children can play it. Yep. What the sort of overall trend that you see with these with these instruments, and and then you can tell this because of what drops off, mm-hmm. is that people. To your point, that is definitely part of it. The main thing is that people bought instruments that they could teach themselves mm-hmm. you're not going to pick up a fucking trombone and teach yourself that Th- these are like or a violin even these are usually things that you go to a teacher you go to school uh, yes. and learn so these it was like guitar piano things where there's like lessons YouTube videos. Ukulele. there's right. a ton of and, and then ukulele like you said was small yeah uh, there was there were some negative trends which i talked about so you saw um like harps drums pianos that stuff there were like keyboards smaller things sure but the bigger things at home definitely had a major drop off and again a lot of it was even like brass instruments which aren't big but again you're going to school you're learning these as a kid you're learning them with a your a orchestra teacher class, or class and a teacher yeah. or whatever so did they it's not things that people were did they separate um for keyboards midi controllers from keyboards because not that i saw that, that was that probably would have been lumped in just with Keyboard. the piano but yeah. in terms of volume so much lower than guitars and ukuleles yeah. that okay. it didn't even register in this analysis um Again, things people teach themselves. But now, now, what we're seeing though is that now there's this rebound happening. Now that schools are coming back, on as you look at the data right now, you're seeing brass instruments, the things that mm-hmm. you learn in a school environment, are going back up again. Sure. So it, it, it sort of plays out that it's like this is what this is what it was. We know what sort of caused that. Okay, so we know this. This is kind of what happened. Well, now the question becomes. Because during this time, we I mean, this is Amazon sort of like new stuff, right? But it still applies to what we have been talking about in this podcast, which is a huge increase in prices yes. in the gear market. Yeah. To in the, the, used to market the extent it's in the used market. To, but sometimes you can see things selling for more used than they are new. Uh-huh. There are examples that have happened. Mm-hmm. Like not even vintage, like Mm-mm. recent used stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like when 
or if <clears throat> are we going to see the gear market settle? I've been seeing this show up in all the forums that I go to, Gear Page, My Last Paul Forum, Gear Space. Like the, Ever, so we're not long, the only ones noticing this. There are long threads in all yeah. of these going on right now, and it's like when what's gonna happen? So okay, there's this huge increase in like guitars, nucleos, and that sort of stuff. At some point, we're gonna have to start seeing these things re-enter the market. Yeah. So that means that will dilute everything in that market, right? Like it's the, the, the more the more supply there is, the, the prices are going to have to come down. That's just how it works. So generally, you think people who may have picked something up during quarantine maybe didn't use it as much and want to just get rid of Most it. Most of them are going to sell it. So yeah. then, one of this, these sort of like little side tangents that I've gone on learning, or I guess trying to understand, is. Uh, what the life cycle of a guitar is. So it's hmm. like, how long does someone hold on to this a guitar before they decide to sell it? You can't really, the pandemic is unprecedented. So yeah, there's no way to say, I don't, I don't think that I found a good answer. I found a couple of people talking about this on the internet and, and some people, someone was trying to say that there was research saying that there's like a 10 year life cycle for a guitar that felt pretty long, long, to me. long to me. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I would think it would be a lot shorter than that, but just sort of something can, to consider like when we're thinking about, because obviously I, we can both ex- agree the market is up. Like, Oh yeah, it, it is. It's, so it, it's th- crazy. We're, what also is going to happen is happening is we're seeing demand plateauing because people are starting to be able to go back out into the world again. Mm-hmm. So it's again, like we're setting up some good environments, I think maybe to see prices come back down to a, to a, or a more reasonable level. I don't think my, my, my early sort of thought on this is I don't think that it's ever going to return to quote unquote normal. Like what I, it was in 2019. I think we've 18. just got to accept that there's maybe this sort of new normal that like, because last year happened mm-hmm. and all that shit there is still happening, you know, in a lot of ways, like, the it changed certain markets and i would also say that it's hard the more that and there's a lot that we can talk about here the more that i get into it it kind of feels like it's almost like there's a collection of a bunch of micro markets rather than just like one giant gear market because like interesting some of the things that we've been noticing like we've talked about strats go up and down things go up and down some things just keep going up and up and up like certain pedals and well that could be the pedal movie i guess you know there's external <laughs> shout out to the pedal movie. shout out to the pedal movie. in fact i was just talking to our buddy dan or oh, he's cool. got another thing he's working on awesome. and, uh, we could talk about that offline but um oh, yeah it, because I mean, look, there are still issues, like especially with new gear. Like as we were talking about, even before we got on the mics, like the silicon chips in the world, or like lumber. Lumber prices are starting to come back down, but yeah. there are all these external factors influencing the fact that there are still just limited because of manufacturing the shit that's going on in the world. Like there are still things that are limited that we just can't make mm-hmm. like we used to, which is always going to mean that when there's still demand for it, price is going to go up. Another thing that I was thinking about too is that you look at other markets. In the gear market, there are no like, there's no like regulation or or even really like transparency. Everyone can kind of just like set their own prices. Yeah. We kind of have MAP, which is manu- minimum advertised price, I guess. Uh, that was sort of a thing for new gear for a long time. Right. But like, you can look at other markets with high volume and high currency uh, commodities. 
they're usually there's usually some sort of like regulation or, or at least like government level transparency like here we can like show you basically we rely on reverb being like hey here are our sales numbers Here's from the last year yeah. or like surfacing the ability to view sold listings right. but the, you don't even really get to know what the sold price is on that you just know that it's sold and that it was for there was a certain asking price at one time oh, they don't you don't show know the actual price. you don't know what the final price is yeah. on this sort of stuff so we're kind of really relying on like one of a, who is now a, a very large company, you know, to like give mm-hmm. us this data. We don't really know. So it's, a lot of this is kind of conjecture and just like dudes belly aching and dudes and ladies and anyone belly aching on the internet about it. Yeah. Really. Which is, you know, you're going to find that regardless, I guess. But so I don't know that it's, I was actually also, it turns out there are still big backlogs from big companies like Fender, I guess is quoting next spring. This is not official from what this is what I've read from some retailers saying online that Fender's quoting next spring for new orders placed by dealers of player and Venteras, which are like, you know, they're top sellers. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So like if they're not even able to get orders, which used to take like a quarter or less yeah. now or, or, yeah, or even weeks are now not until next spring. I mean, they're. I don't as much as I think I see trends showing that thing the prices on things should come down there are things like that that are still happening that I'm like I don't know yeah. actually yeah. if it's if we're going to start seeing prices come down I again I think we're going to see some things prices go down on small subsets of these micro markets but I still think we're seeing prices go up on I, some I stuff was, too I was eyeballing speaking of the Ventera on and on Amazon just cuz it popped up in my feed or whatever and uh, it was the Vintera 60s jazz bass. Uh-huh. And it was like, it's like turquoise with the matching headstock. Mm, it's fucking cool lovely. looking. And I was like, I don't need this thing. But, but I clicked it. on it yeah. and I was like, wait, well, you will deliver to my house by Friday? Like, mm. and then it's $1,300 for, for a made in Mexico wow. jazz bass. So then you got to kind of think. 1300 You know, and, and we've talked about this before. It's hard for us to digest that because we, we- know what. Mexican I, jazz bases used to cost. I I have bought and sold Mexican jazz bases for like one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, a buddy of mine had one for he got it for two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, and that was That's, maybe ten years ago, wow. but still I was uh, doing some old man belly aching. What here. what I think is funny though, to kind of go along with that, the Ventera thing, how those are so popular. There's this weird trend now with everything is kind of has this vintage look to it. N- nothing like, at least with Fender and Gibson that I've noticed. The, the money I think that they're making and the things that they're selling right now are these a lot of this reissue stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff which specced out to be exactly like it was in the 60s, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Well, they're reacting to the same things we right. are because it's like, well, uh, people can't get that stuff. And if they can, it's, it's stupid expensive. expensive. So yeah. guess what? If you're not paying $10,000 for this guitar, you're going to feel a little better paying seven grand for this new one yeah. if it has a warranty and, and sure. the same sort of like curb appeal that this, the old one has. Because that's, I mean, that's, look i've we've both been around the vintage guitar world enough like it's not always about the playability for these these people it's like Mm. you want the allure and the look and the vibe and if you can get that for cheaper and yeah yeah, and that's it they do keep those custom shop instruments at a pretty limited quantity just mostly Mm -hmm. because like they kind of have to but yep it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, you can say, oh, I've got this like specific serial number version and mm-hmm. it's got this specific fancy top. Oh, hi, Sophie. Hey, so. she's, she's visiting us. Oh, she she must have just woken up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess my, my one of my favorite things about it, though, is because I, I don't really feel like you and I have complained about it. I think we've been pretty level-headed. We've noticed it. We've noticed it and talked about it, but it's like it's not like we're saying it's bad or wrong or anything. No. My favorite part about it, and I'll admit, is that also because we sort of participate in it. Like, we buy and sell stuff. And uh, so especially on the gear page, I was reading some forum posts and like 
people just like really upset about what the prices <laughs> are and you know it's like upset at specific weird little things like norlin gibsons which i've got a few of those yeah that people, you know, like hated forever and now we're like way up and we whatever. were just talking about that right right there's all these little things but then then you go over to the classifieds page on the gear page and they're all doing the same exact shit that they're complaining about yeah they're all asking for top dollar yep. beyond anything that's ever sold for before right. because they see what it's selling for everywhere else well, so why like, would you give it away for less I exactly mean, so then why would you agreed then don't complain about it on yeah. the same forum where you're trying to sell for these for these high prices it's I like know. oh well we're like some higher breed here like we don't participate in this and it's like look at your own classifieds it's it's happening right there where you're talking about well it. that's the funny thing about the vintage market because a lot of these guys you know they're older than us even and they've so they've seen this stuff around they've seen it fluctuate in the last 25 years or whatever so they're like okay you know i remember in my day shakes mm-hmm. his fist at the sky you know this used to be three thousand dollars and now you can't find one that's for interesting you know i wonder if they're <clears throat> even for us like we can't speculate too much about those old guys but even for us i wonder if there is something that like there had to have been something that okay okay again ten years ago when we're talking about these Mexicans or when I, I think when I was making that Mex- those Mexican P base deals that was probably more like twenty years ago for me sure. but still like even then you know okay so now they're they're worth an order of magnitude more they're like a thousand dollars when right. they're a hundred dollars or whatever it is before I wonder what it, if they're in reverse what it was back then that was like super valuable or hot or like mm. blowing up that now is worth not as much kaput I mean of course you can talk about any like. I guess everything's going to go up a little bit. Modern technology, like no, not not necessarily. Like we're oh, you talking about go... those like Pro Tools rigs, right? Sure, you know, it's like thing, sure, sure, sure. You can't use those because like anything technology Outdated. that's usually going to go down, go down. But like, I wonder if there was something that was like super popping off that was like really popular with people. Yeah. You know, like certain kinds of strats or something, and then now they're just like but worth now they're cheap. Kaput yeah. So that we can jump on that drive right. that market Let's back that up market again because it's all cycles every one of these too it they're all micro markets and they're all cyclical they all go up and down and then hmm. although they're they're on an, it's on a curve so it's kind of going up at all times usually but i wonder if there's something there, there must be some sort I mean, of outlier. you could argue that you could argue that the dod pedals while some are really affordable they might have been that's a good call they might have been a hundred dollars new and now you can get a used one for 50 or that's whatever. true and i mean because those ones yeah when i mean those are all from like the 80s or whatever and but, obviously there's like the more limited ones and yeah. stuff. but uh, oh that's yeah i bet there are certain pedal brands like stuff that's probably out of i guess a good place to look would be stuff that's gone out of business right yeah right like that like dod or i guess well they're sort of kind of in business but not that's really, really interesting question because I, f- I feel like everything just goes up no matter what you know like i, I don't know if there's anything that's gone down other than just like shitty old pro tools interfaces right stuff know? that just won't even Doesn't work. work yeah yeah i mean i don't I don't in the gear world because again, like ADAT, like any of that kind of stuff was very expensive, and now you can't get okay. It away so like maybe no like an old tape it. machine or something like that. But now I think tape machines are are again valuable. It's like a nice one or something. Yeah, yeah. Or not even no, even like Tascam because you'll see those guys kind of like shitty. You can you can, those have gotten very expensive. Yeah. analog tape, but not like I don't I don't know if that's ever going to happen with ADAT. You know, I like I don't I don't. What was that recorder that you got? Um, I think it was during quarantine. Oh, that one that's in the other room that's a Tascam 8 track. That's yeah. like a set recorder. Right, right, yeah. right. But even that kind of stuff, the I think it's still gone back that. up now. It, yeah. it has. It well, that was probably has. maybe 10 years ago, that was like a total piece of junk. No one a wanted piece it. Of crap in the corner. Yeah. I, you could maybe say like mini disc. Like I've got a mini disc recorder in our. Well, that's what I'm saying. Space. Like ADAT's the same thing. It's like this yeah. weird digital tape thing. But, I, like, but does that count if the technology isn't like. Because you can't go buy mini discs well, anymore. Yeah. Or, yeah, I guess. Or maybe you could. Maybe somewhere. you can. I don't know if you've got any <laughs> like caches of. Because what are you going to do? You record on one disc and then you have to erase it. Or yeah, right. I guess you could transfer it, but yeah, yeah, whenever when anything where there's a 
uh, an outdated medium yep. is yep. a challenge. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, like I, yeah. I, that would be I would if anybody has any access to data from back then, let us know if but there's it, something that uh, ha- that you think was blowing up 10, 20 years ago right. that now is just like worth. But in the guitar dick. world, I mean specifically guitars, any I, amps? Like I bet I bet Matchless was more expensive Hmm. relatively 10 years ago than now stuff like that where it was like really hot specific boutique things or like hmm. buddha oh my god i bet buddha would be a good example like when oh, yeah. you remember when buddha was just kind of like everywhere for some reason yeah, and yeah. then they i think they were sold to like a chinese company and then you know disappeared yeah, that's, a, that's a really that's a that's a brain buster right there because that's a brain buster or like midi guitars you know or yeah like a, or like keytars stuff Keytar, like yeah i mean aside from it being like a novelty but but you do have the functionality. It still works the same as it did. It back still then. works the same. I want. Yeah, I guess you would have to. You'd have to look at out of, out of business companies and trends yeah. to see like what who jumped on what trend and then. Where yeah, that I mean, died and you could even go back to like saying you know like we know like there was a there was a surge, even maybe in like the two thousand eight area you know uh-huh. two thousand five two thousand eight where I felt like Casios were really big like. Uh, you know, like the old, like the vintage '80s oh, totally. Casios, but now I've seen them on Craigslist pop up, and it's like, yeah, forty bucks. Really? Because yeah. you, sh- you should send those to me. Cause I okay, want, I <laughs> will do. Uh, you know, I like, I, like I wonder. You know, remember there was like a big, like one year where like swing music was a thing. Yeah. Like, was there like a, you know, all like a, a cherry pop and daddies? Yeah, oh, the grossest banding of all time. <laughs> I'll, I will forever maintain that cherry uh, pop and daddies is a grosser band name than anal cunt. <laughs> But you know, like what, like if there, you know, something like that where there was this like really specific surf guitar trend, and then sure. like surf guitars went up for a minute, and then right. they went back down. I would love to, I would love to dig into those, yeah. like mostly to see what I could acquire for cheaply now, in hopes that it would turn into. Yeah, because my brain trend. doesn't even think that way. Because I think of, you know, I get angry when I see like a, a '60s Mustang for like twenty five hundred dollars, oh, and I'm like, dude, God. that you could have got one of those for twelve hundred bucks like oh, five years ago. I want one so um, bad, mostly because I can't have them anymore. Yeah, well, that's I mean, that's kind of. I don't even thing, like right? playing those guitars. I just want it. They yeah. look so cool. Yeah, old Grego had a uh, he had a Mustang bass from old the '60s. Grego. Dude, I want a I want, that's I want a short scale with bass. the with the matching headstock and the competition mm-hmm. stripe. It was a blue one. Really cool. A former guest, uh, our buddy Gretchen from Pylons, has a. I believe sixties Mustang oh, yeah. with the competition stripe that. right. on there, or maybe yeah. it was seventies. I can't remember, but it's still dope ass. Yeah, guitar. that's super cool. But that's a really that's a really fun question. I I bet you coming up, I think it's going to be easy to find like really simple MIDI controllers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, just those really cheap like. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. Even like a little like a little Arturia. Yeah, MIDI, like the ones MIDI you can guy. get. You know. I mean, I have one at well, home. It's like a 25 kind of key, the like oxygen M- key M- audio stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. that kind of stuff where it's just like, okay, either you have one or you just can't get dirt for it. Yeah, you know, I think that that's kind of a thing. Definitely, right anything sort of like locked into the like very specific technolo- technological standards because like a USB port isn't always going to work. You know, so like yeah. there 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 will be always a new port. Mm. That would be you know that'll be I guess okay. So here we go. Let's close it out on this, sure. Dave. If you could choose. Any, we've talked about all these sort of fluctuating micro markets. Mm-hmm. If you could choose one outside of like the most obvious, like you can't say fucking like vintage Fender bases. Sure. If you sure, could choose sure. one that you, that does have like a, a bottoming out where you could just like buy everything up right now. Where they come back down. Where it comes, where it comes back down. What um, would you, what well, would you choose that again isn't just like. Yeah. A, a one of 60 strat. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, actually the, um. I'm going to think about it before I say it. Yeah. Because 
Hmm. I have well, an can, obvious you can, you answer. Give us, a, give us a couple. Well, I think the obvious answer, I actually mentioned it last week. We were talking a, a similar topic, but I was saying I wish the prices in the uh, the made in Japan stuff would come back down. Mm, the late dude, 80s, early 90s so stuff. Up. Oh my. It's crazy. I mean, you're talking <laughs> partially thanks to our good buddy and former guest, uh, Henry <laughs> from Bonfires Vintage, because yeah. he has most of the. He has a lot of that Henry stuff, man. Right yeah, his store rules. It's wild. Um, but Go yeah. Check like, it out, Bonfires Vintage. Yeah, Bonfire Vintage for sure. The, um, yeah, I think. You know, I, I think that would be the obvious answer for me just because I've personally seen it fluctuate. Yeah. I've owned some of those guitars right. and basses and, and sold them and, and never do got... Have, do I have any Mitch stuff right now? I can't do think you? if I do. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, and I will say this. Uh, I forgot to mention this. When we're talking about those, oh, for I some reason... Oh, I have one Alvarez, but that's... Oh, you have an yeah. Alvarez. Oh, that's right, yeah. But like as far as like... Didn't you have a Strat? You had an MIJ I had Strat? A, I did, yeah. yeah. And, and a Jazzmaster. Oh, that's right. That was... Yeah. That was funny, man, because I remember when we went, we took that to that guitar show, and you were kind of you had an idea in your mind of how much you wanted to mm-hmm. sell that for, and I was even like, I don't know, man, that seems yeah. a little expensive. And now, if you would have said that, I would have been like, Oh, you're not asking enough. Not enough, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my brain goes automatically. Good one. I like what do you, that. What do you think? My brain went a couple places, I guess. I ha- I like doing this because I don't think this. I ha- this wasn't a prepared question. This is just part yeah. of the the ratatat of having the show. Uh, I think. The couple, the first one that jumps out at me as, I don't know if it's not problematic. I just wish that the price of microphones hadn't gotten so ridiculous. Mm. Be, not only just for me, which it is partially for me, right? But also, I just want more. I want as many people who want to be able to record to have access to that as possible, right? Like I, I, I like if you want to make music or record your voice or whatever it is like i want you to have that option right and when i see how expensive like pretty good microphones like the ones we're using right now have gotten even used versions of them it, that makes me a little bummed out well, i guess i mean i I, you know? I feel like hasn't the sm7 kind of always been around the 300 range maybe 400 on the high yeah end? yeah i guess maybe these aren't aren't the aren't the best example but like you know you can look at any even just like a pair of like what used to be say thousand dollar microphones when okay. they're now like four thousand sure. dollars it's just like shit that now all of a sudden that is way outside of the realm of almost anybody yeah. who's like kind of on the fence about it unless you're a pro or something like that right. and i mean yes of course you can make wonderful sounding things with cheap sounding microphones yeah right there there are reasons for having expensive nice microphones because they do things that other microphones don't and i want as many people to have access to that sort of thing there are good companies out there that are making sort of like facsimile approximations of that but just looking at what like real the actual item yeah create like the good stuff quote unquote has that i mean that's just like that's the cool thing about the microphone industry though that i that i really love is the new manufacturers that are coming out with affordable Mm -hmm. stuff that looks like it would be i mean the percentage of how different it might sound is is minuscule compared to like the original you know i i I really respect the microphone industry for doing that because i think they've only gotten better yeah, there. I agree. I mean, there's there's something to the old stuff too. But sure, sure. yeah, I agree. I guess. And then the other one that comes to mind, I don't know. Like I love fuzz pedals so much, and they've just gotten mm. like old old fuzz pedals that yep. you used to be able to get for cheap, and they were like, kind of crappy. You know, yeah. have all of a sudden just like, and and I guess it's become an aesthetic for a lot of bands, like the whole Black Keys thing. One sure. like that, like ratty sound, Jack White became popular. That that it would be nice if you could still get deals on just like weird old pedals that you've never heard before because now i mean you're you're talking a couple hundred at least for even like a tone bender or a fuzz face or something 
that makes me think of uh, mentioning the Black Keys. I think they drove the market up a lot. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like oh, quote like unquote crappy tone, vintage gear. Guitars. Silver tone. Uh, what you sent me one today? The uh, harmony. Oh, harmony rocket. That like red rocket. It was cool. Oh, man. That was cool. red rocket. Yeah. Um, shout out Andy Dalton. But yeah, it's uh, you know, I think that he's a red rifle. Yeah, but he's probably. Got I, a call red red, rocket, I call him the red. I call him the red rocket. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think that. There are like certain bands, and Jack White obviously was like yeah. kind of known for this too, like playing this quote unquote crappy guitar that had you know the strings were an inch off the fretboard, and, yeah, right. And and then just the market goes nuts for these things, you know. So. Yeah. So okay. So yeah, it's not going to happen. This is our little our mm-hmm. little dreamland wish list, but I think so. We've decided midge, uh, whether or not you want to call them lawsuit, whatever kind of instruments, mm-hmm. microphones, and then maybe fuzz pedals. So like, yeah. if you're listening, gods of those markets. <laughs> Just like send them down to us. Take it easy on us because yeah. those are fun tools and things for us to use, and we can't afford them anymore. Before we put a bow on this one completely, mm. oh, I just love. I want to point out really fast that yeah. Sophie's just like sitting in between us. She's like she's she just one it. of the. She's just a host. She she's is. a co-host. She's today. producing today. Normally she'll come say hi and then bail, but now she's just like I'm gonna hang out in the yeah. middle. And, maybe we'll and get her on some some question and answer if she wants to later. Good girl, Sophie. Um, what do you think? There's okay. If you had to predict, this might be like way too deep of a question. Mm. Gearstradamus. Let's let's go back to kind of like talking about the the kind of like the Black Keys, Jack, you know, Jack White thing, like where they took something that nobody wanted mm-hmm. and made it cool. Do you think there's anything right now that is is like kind of maybe new or not cool that could become cool? Mm. And I mean, I don't know how you would predict it, but like, I could see MIDI guitar being a thing again. Yeah. Maybe but that might be wishful thinking. Or not necessarily MIDI, but some sort of digital guitar, like in because people obviously still want to play guitar. But if you listen to modern music, there's very little guitar in it. So right. like some way to recreate cross that that live. path, which like I guess Matt Bellamy Muse has done mm-hmm. for a while, but that's that's a, like a different. One band. That's like rock. You yeah. know, that, I'm not saying necessarily rock music. So like something to further bridge that gap between worldwide global pop music and the guitar as just like a an edifice like this like cool instrument like this cool object yeah um because people want to be rock stars still i think i feel like i i bring it up all the time but and i always forget the name of it but like what was that attachment that could do midi on your actual guitar oh the roland gk3 pickup yeah something like that but like more integrated and less focused on the guitar side of things and more even on just like the midi or even i could see like we talked about that uh scale of summit video with the dude at 168 leds yeah yeah whatever more stuff like that where it's like a new innovation combining yeah some sort of like modern visual trend Mm -hmm. and and vibe and aesthetic with just like the shape of guitar i I could see because yeah i mean you know obviously roland made midi guitars in like the 70s and shit Mm -hmm. and like people thought that she was like i told the story about how i got made fun of bringing (laughs) my backup guitar that had a midi pickup on to a gig you know by a sound guy like there is there's just like this yeah this distaste for it um and and because i think it is sort of like most things there's been a lot of uh there's probably been more harm than good done with them in the past right so like in general people have a bad taste for them but i think that there's still room to do cool someone shit could come that. out and just have like something really really cool going on dude i would i would buy i'm just gonna put this, just drop this bomb drop it if gibson guitars sold just a midi guitar i'd buy it but like no electric pickups or anything right i just want their playability and form factor in a perfectly tracking MIDI guitar. Okay. That I can then, because I'm, you know, 
I'm much more fluent on guitar than keys or anything sure. like that. So I can make things happen melodically, especially more, more quickly on a guitar. I, if I could just like bridge that gap, I would never, I don't even need pickups anymore. I'll just play MIDI. Who, who makes MIDI guitars right now? There's a company. Well, there's like Godan has, has okay. been making them for a long time. Uh, there's this company Jamstick who does pretty much what we're stick. talking about. Yeah. Where they make like a six or seven hundred dollar. It's like a full fat kind of guitar with you know pickups and stuff on there, but it's really deeply integrated with MIDI pickups. It has real strings. Right? It has real strings. Which yeah, I that's the other thing is I there are there have been a number where it's just like plastic or rubberized or kind of like and then that's a things. whole feel thing it's not a guitar yeah. at that point so that's what i'm saying i want something that has strings but like is so deeply integrated with the midi that like it's perfect tracking there's no latency i can bend i can that was the thing i stuff. found about the the roland gk was like it had the uh it had like a latency or something to it because a buddy of mine yeah. had one and we he got all excited and he bought it and there's this big pedal piece that comes with totally. it and everything and then he brought it to practice and he was like Fuck this the thing. main thing with those, the reason that I eventually sold mine is it's about the setup. Mm. And I spent a lot of time trying to get that shit dialed in. And I could never get, I could get five strings yep. essentially perfect. Exactly. I could never get it where all six would do what I wanted you them to do. You almost have to adjust the setup on the guitar to fit the piece, right? Like oh, you don't adjust bit, the bridge. There's a and bit stuff. of that. The thing more than I more than that, what I found more so than adjusting the guitar, I had to adjust myself. You mm. cannot, when you're talking about MIDI and tracking and stuff, you can't play exactly the same as you would a normal guitar. Especially, you think about like if you're using the MIDI to play a piano part, right? You do not play the piano the way that you play a guitar, and it sounds weird if you do. So you have to change the way that you play to suit both the MIDI and whatever the MIDI instrument. You're playing, which is which is fine, and yeah. I am fine with that. I, the jam stick. The, Where would you again, go right now if you had to if you had to pick something? That's some, it would be that, but yeah. the, no. What I would do right now is just like have, I would send it to Gibson and be like, "Here's my Gibson. Put a <laughs> the MIDI pickup on here." Right. Seymour Duncan makes the. It's called the uh, AirPlay. I think it's okay. like one. Or no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Fishman makes. Probably like the fanciest, most up to date MIDI pickup right now. I would probably get the Fishman and put that on one of like my 335, but I wouldn't want to ruin the 335. Well, I was gonna, why don't we, you know, we'll rip apart the uh, Epiphone in there or something like that, you know? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. It has, the point is though, still, it has to be something that you want to play. Yeah. Like it has to feel good I know. and like be the, like it, I would just buy a jam stick if not, but it's like, it's a fender scale length and mm -hmm. it's like that i just know that the gibson scale length is more comfortable for me right. so yeah i guess hmm. i guess that would be do you have do you have an idea do you do you think there's something that no i mean that's like lame i right mean if now? you could i mean if, oh it, oh just as far as that question yeah. goes oh man um it's funny it was one of those questions that came out of my mouth and i was like i, I don't, don't have i don't even have that's answer. okay yeah so we can leave know. it there yeah it feels like a great spot to do it i don't know we get we we wanted to talk markets the market's up the market's up, and and I guess ultimately, if you're on the fence about wanting to sell something, ask yourself the question we did last week, which is ten years from now, yeah, would that person tell you to sell it? And if so, fucking do it now because market's high. Market's high. Yep. And if you've made it this far, which, I mean, you probably did. This is a good episode. Damn good. Why don't you go make some music? <laughs>